When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. They all look dead inside, but at least he can smile when he wallops a couple of balls. Hello and welcome to Rainstock Play and welcome to our review of the second Ashes Test, which just finished a few hours ago here in the UK. Uh, England lost, Australia won. Congratulations to them. The winning margin in the end was 275 runs and despite a 207 ball knock from Joss Butler, England with a bit of fight unfortunately couldn't hold on and they go 2-0 down. Um, joined by Glenn and Will this week. Will, your first Ashes review of the season. How have you been enjoying the tour? Is Is it been any good? Because I can imagine for the neutral, it's a fairly boring exercise in which Australia are going to win all the time and England aren't going to put up a fight. So how are you enjoying it so far? No, I've sort of got into the sadness of it. I, yeah. I think the kind of collective okay. misery around English cricket has sucked me in a little bit. <laughs> um, not helped by the fact that like half of London, I currently have COVID. So I'm stuck in my room and hence my sleep schedule has gone to whack. So I'm just up when the ashes is on anyway. Um, so it's sort of me in darkness at 4am <laughs> watching wickets fall. It's a very particular vibe that sums up this time of year, really, in England. <laughs> It really does. Well put. And there's a lot of that about Ashes Tours down under that we're watching it in the dark in the mornings or, or late at night. And I think it doesn't help the English psyche very much. Um, Glenn over in Iowa, this test didn't actually work out for you too well from a timing perspective, did it? Because it was a day night in Australia. So I think you're also on the sort of slightly jaded, sad England vibes. How are you this week? Yeah, no, I'm all right. Thank you, Dan. Uh, excited to talk. I think there's a lot to unpack after that Pr- pretty, pretty miserable couple of days for England. Yeah, it was time difference wise. It was a real tricky one because it was started at 10.30 p.m. And obviously I do the classic thing of, oh, just another over, just another over. Yeah. And it was 4 a.m. And I just and watched you, it. And you were doing a Twitter spaces at 4 a.m. Uh, <laughs> shouting, uh, shouting at everybody. <laughs> exactly. So it messed up my sleep schedule. I almost overslept this pod recording. Um, oh, I did oversleep our initial date. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not been great for my health or Will's health. So uh, let's be honest. <laughs> Can I just say that the England cricket team didn't give Will COVID? Um, the, the, just they gave him sad vibes. Officially, as far as we know. Well, yeah, who knows? Who knows? I mean, it can, you know, who knows? Um, let's talk a little bit about the test match itself, but I think we want to spend most of the time looking ahead, especially as England fans. Let's look ahead and, and try and find some hope. Um, we, we, we know we're talking about Australia in this match as well, and we will try to talk about them. But for the two people in Australia who downloaded last week's pod, thank you. We will talk about Australia at some point. And if there are any expats listening in different countries, we're sorry. We will talk about Australia. 
but we're English. Um, so yeah, Australia won by 275 runs. It's a miracle this got to day five with no rain interruptions. Weirdly, there was there was that lightning issue at the end of day one, I think, or day two that, that lost a few overs. But the fact it's got as late as it did was was fairly impressive in its own weird way. Uh, runs for Manus Labuschagne as always. Runs for Steve Smith, the the, the stepping captain. Um, wickets for Jai Richardson, who we knew was going to play um, with Hazelwood's injury, and then uh, Michael Nisa coming in. Um, got a few wickets for himself. Um, that's what I really want to talk about from that test. No, let's talk a little bit. How about the shock Smith captaincy? Why did we do Australia to start? Wasn't that a bit chaotic at the start of the test? And isn't it sad that he's in charge again, really? I love Glenn's pain on this because yeah. he's, it, as all of cricket has tried to rehabilitate Steve Smith, you've been kind of, not, the, not quite the lone holdout, but but a uniquely angry voice about, about this guy's rehabilitation. But, like, it wasn't that surprising at the start of this test because it did feel like as soon as they named him vice-captain, mm-hmm. the plan was quite blatantly at some point comes is going to miss a test, he's going to be standing captain, and that will open the door to being captain whenever he wants again. Um it's a bit of a kick in the teeth for Cummins, I think, for his his captaincy to suddenly, you know, everybody was already saying, is Smith really going to be making the decisions? And by test number two, there he is. <laughs> um, but it's not that surprising. No, and, and isn't it strange? So obviously Cummins, for those who didn't know, was, was a close contact, so, so couldn't play in this game. Did you read that I think both Mitch Stark and Nathan Lyon didn't sit near him or on that table because for a bit of banter on that day? Like he'd annoyed them, so they were giving him the silent treatment. And they sat on a different table. And if, if he hadn't if he hadn't annoyed them and they were having a bit of, you know, Aussie menta, um, mm-hmm. they would they would have they would have been out of the test as well. And we still would have lost, so that's fine. Uh, but more to my point, we'll come back onto England now, is that this was half an Australian attack um that we didn't get over three hundred runs to. Um this was a batting lineup which was actually pretty much full strength, but we agreed last week, Glenn. We're a few doors open. And let's cast our minds back to day one on that really quite attritional first day where I think only 220 runs were scored, but only two wickets were lost. England, for some reason, played the short ball tactic all day, waited for the the twilight period to arrive, and then bowled Joe Root. And it was all very, very strange. And and this is just about where England are at at the minute. Um, So I'm trying to spin it on England's bowlers here. Glenn, what happened? Like, why did England struggle so much down under to take 20 wickets a game? We've taken 18 wickets in this game, two declarations. We just don't seem to be able to take 20 wickets. And this was also the wrong team. So lots to unpack here, but let's do England bowlers and team selection check then. What what do we think happened this test? Yeah, thanks a lot, Dan. It's obviously gets really does get to the crux of the problem for this test is that, yeah, I think most people in the cricket community think that um, England messed up their selection. Uh, We don't need to, you know, go too deeply into this because, again, I I like the idea of looking forward and I think people have definitely said their piece about this. But yeah, the it was quite clear um, that we needed some variation, and we've had Aussies on comms uh, again. You know, to fuck this dead horse, we've had Aussies on comms just saying for hour on hour on hour how um, how England's uh, bowling attack like variation. It was all very similar. You know, basically four five, pretty pretty quick. Right arm, right mediums. I heard someone say, yep. which is harsh. They're medium yeah. fast, but it was very <laughs> very repetitive all that whole first day, wasn't it? um immensely repetitive there wasn't there wasn't really obviously any change in rhythm or style or or quite literally obviously left arm or spin uh yeah and it obviously didn't work and 
you know, we, we it's just frustrating because what makes me like not even that enthusiastic for this conversation is that we've said this thing so many times. Like, you know, most of English bowlers, especially in that mold of, you know, right arm, medium fast, whatever you want to call them, don't do as well away from home as they do um, when we're playing home tests. We all know that. That's that's completely fair. That's where they play their cricket on, you know, pitches and in, in different conditions, overcast weather, greener pitches like that. That's fine. But what you shouldn't do then is pack five of them together in the same line up and hope that by some magic you know a history defining moment that it works like it was the same as you know we, it came up on a, on our twitter spaces actually you know there's an almost identical um scorecard with with the same bowlers again struggling to get australia out from um from a couple of years ago like we've tried this so many times it's so depressing that the biggest brains allegedly you get on to whether that's true uh, later on in the podcast but the biggest brains in english cricket seem to this is this is we, we've been planning for the ashes and here you go this is what we're going to serve up five five right armors over the wicket please umpire let's do the same thing for 100 overs and what is so depressing is we couldn't even get australia all out once they declared twice yeah how insulting is that it, it, <laughs> it always seems it. to happen down under as well is we, we can't quite get 20 wickets um and as funny as it was watching Ollie Robinson bowl off spin, how demeaning is that to, to just the whole process, the whole four years since we last left Australia in disgrace to have your second first change bowler, sometimes the new ball bowler bowling a bit of off spin. And that was the saddest part for me. And yeah, it was funny and Twitter got a bit stuck in. But isn't it just rubbish that that happened? And I feel bad for everyone involved, to be honest. It was it was disgusting. It's terrible, but it is also objectively quite funny. Oh, it's objectively um, <laughs> funny, but it's 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 like when 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 the meet when the when the opener who's never bowled before comes on, like when when if Jason Roy or someone bowls or, or Milan, for example, here getting his first Test wicket, it's kind of funny. But this guy's this guy's a base bowler. <laughs> He's bowling spin. Um, for the record, I still think not picking Jack Leach was correct. Um, not knowing not knowing the pitch because I'm not I don't know what's going on out there, but I think for the general vibes of the way he'd been dismissed in uh, at the Gabba meant he couldn't get picked and Don Bess isn't ready yet. So they were kind of hamstrung there, but no Mark Wood was the glaring one. That makes no sense. And it comes back, I think then to our 40 chess argument last week. And it feels like England were ready to rest Mark Wood regardless. And he was bowling at a full pelt in the nets. This winds me up so, so much. Play your best 11 when it's ready and, and try and win a test match. Yeah, and the thing is, Dan, he only bowled uh, twenty-five odd overs in that in that yeah. first game. He wasn't yeah, even needed he in the second innings. Did he? It, 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 it's beyond belief. And obviously, he'll come in for this next one. But we're two 0 down now. And we said this last week, Glenn. We said this last week. And as much as the England team never learns from their on-field mistakes, they're not learning from the off-field ones either. Because, like you said, we're talking about the same thing over and over and over again, and it's quite monotonous. Yeah, exactly. But the reason it's objectively quite funny, <laughs> apart from apart from everything about it, is, it, as Glenn says, these supposedly big brains who have now at this point had more than a year, like 18 months, two year plan minimum, all building towards the ashes for all of your sort of best laid plans and your genius tinkering and resting for two India series, resting for everything else, everything around the World Cup selection to be about the ashes. For it to come down to Ollie Robinson bowling off spin. <laughs> it's, funny. it's funny. That's how I felt about the Rory Burns dismissal uh, at, the, at the start of the day one of the first test. It was like, that was actually hilarious. We're going to laugh about that for years. Because and you I have to that... laugh or you'll cry. Exactly. And I think the Robinson bowling is, is the equivalent of that for this test match. But, but the other sort of obvious undercurrent to that is the problem with the Jack Leach thing is they obviously don't want to play Jack Leach. Mm. But they obviously don't want to play Don Best. And, and it it sort of gets wrapped up in this 
constant commentary discussion about whether or not you should be playing a spinner in the abstract as though like the the spinner exists in the England squad and clearly they've just come to a decision that there is not a single elite level international test spinner in England and that and that sounds absolutely tragic and you have to ask what's gone wrong to create that but if that's the situation then you can't play a spinner but and but I think that's what they should do that's why I still think it was right not to play Jack Leach I still think Joe Root can do a job and I think we I think admitting it will and realizing that is the first step to maybe tackling this and I was chatting to my mates this week saying the next job we have to do is England whatever happens this series is find a test spinner and he and that has to be the number one goal because you see how well it helps Australia side every other test side you need that one spinner and we don't have it yeah, I agree. I, and I, but it, but it is tricky, and this is you know why there's there's there is some discourse um, at the moment about you know preparing different pitches and stuff in England. I I don't know quite how that would feasibly rolled out. Um, a couple of people have been saying you know have a turning pitch here and a slightly different pitch here. I I don't quite know how how that would work in terms of uh, fairness for for teams etc. But what is clear is that we need a we need a world class big moment um, test spinner. What I find a bit sad is I feel like. Leach had the potential to be that if he had been treated better by the English yeah. setup, if he had been galvanized and talked up instead of talked down to and actually entrusted with some responsibility in home tests and actually developed his craft and guile in that test arena. It, you know, I, I don't think obviously he, tar- he was targeted by the Aussies and they were, they were very clever. That was an immensely clever approach to him to knock him out of the game because that has had a knock on effect, not just in that game and that next innings, but across the series and mm. very, very smart from them. But I don't think anyone here is, I don't think anyone I've seen really blaming Jack Leach at all, which is good. But yeah, he is again, symptomatic of this real malaise at the heart of English cricket, which is we just cannot plan for the future. And yeah, Dan, absolutely. You know, you're right to say, let's get a spinner. Where does where do they appear from? And again, we've had this conversation since we started this podcast a year and a half ago. We were talking about spin issues then. But we know Don Best isn't the answer. He has played some atrocious games for England. We know that at the moment, Jack Leach doesn't appear to be the answer because of the aforementioned uh, mismanagement, in my opinion, at least. And yeah, on the day, sometimes he isn't as consistent as you'd want. Absolutely. It's, it, it, to an extent, he's responsible as well. But there is no magic silver bullet lying in England just waiting to jump into this test team and not even close. There is nobody even uh, tapping on the door. And that's it. And that's it. You think if we take Best and Leach out of the equation on your point of mismanagement, I think that's a really good one, Glenn, that imagine if we had just played him at home no matter what the pitch was and just let him work on a pitch that might not have been as, as, as helpful to him. And when he arrives at the Gabba with a pitch that gave him nothing, maybe he's a little bit more tuned in. Maybe he could have been a bit more skillful in that. And he'd be in this team still. And it's worth saying that, that it's doubly damning because that's not exactly a new situation. This comes on the back of a decade of mismanagement of Moeen Ali and Adil Rashid. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's, it, it's, it's, it's endemic at the minute. And, and we look, where can we look? You got, Parkinson who flew home but I just don't think England like picking leg spinners period we tried Mason Crane didn't work and we've been scared to go back since uh Verdi at Surrey can't really get a foot in at Surrey so I don't see where how he suddenly comes into the England team and I honestly other than Jack Carson at Sussex who is 19 and has played a season and a half at Sussex I can't name anybody else who could come into his team so that's that is it and it's as easy to say let's find a spinner but you're right Glenn that there isn't one to find that would be the most England thing ever would be to drop uh, Carson, some 19-year-old, into the heat of the ashes in the, in the third test. That would be the most English <laughs> yeah. thing ever. Fly him out, fly him out. <laughs> and you know what? I am sorry to be talking about the bowlers to start from the England front because it is the batters that aren't getting the runs. And to that point, Will, we, we were chatting just before we came on air about Joe Root's post-match um, 
words today where he immediately blamed the length bowled by the opening bowlers uh, on the morning of day one. And he didn't name them by name, but that is Broad and Anderson, his two Premier Strike bowlers who he left out of that first test. And he said they didn't bowl full enough. And he's right. He is also the man on the field, stood at first slip, who could have said, lads, should we pitch it up a little bit? And he just tells us at the end of day five that that was the thing. What did you think of that, Will? Because it was bizarre to me. And as much as I enjoyed seeing a bit of fight from Ruby, he looked angry and sounded angry. It felt like it was aimed at the wrong people for me. It did. I mean, it's impossible for me to see it as anything other than the existential Roy Keane thing, right? It's the, as people will know, Roy Keane on Sky Sports a couple of weeks ago said, if you're doing, if you're, if you're losing four nil in a derby, just go tackle someone. Not because yeah. it's good for the game, just because it makes you feel better. I might and just that, hit him just to make me feel better. There you go. And <laughs> that was Joe Root's interview. You can't be in, you can't be in Australia for five, six weeks, losing every game and just sit there sad and glum and be a bit unhappy and let it all go. Cause you're not as good as the Australian team are. You have to show a little bit of something, a bit of fight. And I think that's what he was trying to do. Maybe there was a bit of, again, 4D chess man management. He's trying to send a message. I don't think he's particularly good at that style of man management, but maybe he's trying. Trying to wind broad up even more, something like that. Just get this guy absolutely fuming for the next test. Exactly. Get them firing a bit. Having said that, it was a little bit weird. because, As you say, one, he's on the field. He could have told them. Two, it wasn't just that he was kind of saying, oh, they weren't bowling full enough. He had this whole thing about how, you know, they've been looking at the data for weeks and they always do the analytics before games and they made a plan and and he told them all to bowl a certain way. And then he said, oh, and they just didn't listen. They got caught up in the heat of the moment of the game, I think was his phrase. Yeah. Which is a very odd criticism to make of, as you say, the two most experienced bowlers in England. It's just just bizarre. And don't get me wrong. I don't think they bowled great. I think they were all, all the seamers were a five or six out of 10 for, for the week. Um, Robinson was the only one to really push it up there. And, and it is about being brave. I think that's what Root said. Be brave because you are going to get driven, uh, but you are going to draw the edge at some point. That's what the Aussies did to us. They, well, sometimes they pitched it up. Got driven a few times. Like Milan's first delivery. What gorgeous cover drive that was. I know he got out for 80, but that's the kind of bowling we need. It, but it was just felt a bit strange. Um, and as much as we, I don't want to have a go at the bowlers, they also didn't bowl that well. And that first day was bizarre. The short bowling was strange. It was clearly a plan. It all feels too 4D chessy to me. And, and it was within the first 10 minutes of the first morning that, that Warren on commentary said, these guys are thinking too much. And I think he's right, and it's on the pitch now, and and it's and it's in the team selection. So it's a little bit bizarre. And listen, we'll, we'll come on to bowler selection for the next test uh, a little bit later on. Uh, but let's talk about the batters because we've got two innings to talk about here from England: 236 and 192. Uh, and it, it was deja vu from the 2017 test, and it was deja vu from the first test when we see a Root and Milan partnership. We were what 104, 150 for two after a nice little partnership again between Milan and Root, and then there was a collapse. So I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to say other than there was a collapse again. Um, Burns did his classic, get me 34 to get me in the next test. Well done, what a mate in the next test. Hamid, I can't, I, I don't say, I can't, I don't want to say anything bad about him. I love him. He'll be just fine. move on. Just, just, just move on from him. He'll be just fine. Um, and then you've got that, that crumbling middle order and it's, it's just another collapse. Another collapse. And if it wasn't for Josh Butler's very brave stand today, must I say, and I've got to praise him for that. If if that if that edge had been caught this morning, I'd be hammering him. Uh, so yeah, Glenn batting. I don't know. What, I don't know what to say. There's going to be. There's got to be some changes. But I'm also going to argue later that there might not be. So that'll be fun. And I don't know. I'm, I've lost. I can't even form a question to you, mate. It's just a mess, isn't it? It's just a mess. 
Yeah, no, the, the 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 deep frustration on your face from this from this call can just con- construct a, con- a question onto itself. Um, yeah, it it's really really poor at the minute. Uh, once again, you you put it really beautifully down with those comparisons, not just to previous series but to previous games within this one. It's the Root and Milan show. Um, something I picked up on watching. A lot of, uh, I think it must be day two, pretty much uh, almost all of that live, I think, um, was when Root and Milan were batting together, they both looked just superb. They looked classy. They looked uh, at peace uh, in the wicket. They were just, you know, they were tugging the game back towards England, uh, just those two. But what I did pick up on is that the second that Root did fall, Milan seemed to become a different player. This is a great um, point. This is This is something I think a lot of people have been chatting about as well. Yeah, it looked like the weight of the world, probably because it was, was on his shoulders. Don't get me wrong here, because he knows the lack of consistency uh, in the players who are going to come in. But, if you know, if you're England's number three, you're already in, I think, probably about the 70s uh, when when Root departed. I think you've got a show. And again, this is this isn't me trying to attack, uh, you know, the person at Milan who's who's doing playing great cricket. This is not me trying to do that at all. But it was just something I really tangibly picked up on is that without Root beside him, Milan's confidence seemed to really ebb away quite quickly. And his his innings had a completely changed. He went from being positive to being jumpy and twitchy and defensive again because he knew the problems in, in the order below him. But if we are going to go on and win games and if. Root and Milan are the two who seem to be, you know, the most adapted to the conditions, the two playing the most cricket. If your mate, if your captain gets out, uh, you you need to step up your game. You can't just flounder and backtrack and then let ev- let the collapse come, because in a way it felt as if he just anticipated uh, chaos and he was <laughs> almost he didn't know how to handle it. Uh, when Root's it. there, they're Spot great, on. but... Uh, but yes, for listeners, this is please don't take this as me having a go at Milan. It's not. But I think, again, it really was indicative of these deeper problems uh, in the mentality of the English batting, which is when Root is gone, it is game over. And that goes for the person who's scoring more runs than him. Milan has played. He's played just as good cricket, if not better in this test than Joe Root. He looked gorgeous for that 80. And how deeply must the English confidence be knocked and hurting for Milan to change his approach so drastically soon as Root gets out? Um, so anyway, that's just that's just something I picked up on. Feel free to disagree. But that no, it, I, it was painful. I do agree. And I think that's uh, it, it leads us on to talk about the rest of the the lineup because the fact that Milan feels like that, who's killing a bit of Nick, who plays well in Australia, who is a good batter, is getting pressure from both ends, as it were. He he comes in very early. He'll be in in the fourth or fifth over, and then as soon as he loses the man below him, he knows he's going to be he's gonna, the, the ground's going to fall from beneath him at that point. So he's like all rushing about. I, I get why he bats like that almost, and I feel bad for him because he's a nice bloke, and I felt bad for anything I've ever said bad about Darren Milan because he's kept us alive. Um, the rest of the, and I, these openers, I almost want to let just let them have every test, let them have the next five three tests because I can't be bothered. Just let them have a go. One of them will stick at some point, right? What's the phrase? If you throw enough something at the wall, a bit of it will stick. <laughs> I don't like Burns anymore. I love Hamid, and if Crawley came in, maybe he would be the bit of something that sticks to the wall. But I just think let them go, let them have like. Like Burns' 34 was all right, wasn't it? He like he he he, he felt like he got himself into series a little bit, but it's going to happen. Whoever we bring in, we're going to be 36 for two. The average the average score that Joe Root comes in on is 36. So I still think it's going to happen either way. 
36 on a good day Dan (laughs) generous average that is and yeah I think the bottom line is we obviously know that Hamid and Burns are not comfortable playing cricket in Australia under pressure like this that's clear I don't think either of them are particularly up to scratch for this series that goes without saying (laughs) that's obvious I think the thing to look at and this will tie into our later discussion looking towards the 11 for the next game which I think is a really interesting chat to have and I'm really looking forward to that but will replacing one of them you know magically make this batting lineup better will it will it uh improve these foundations again the answer pretty much seems to be no nobody seems to be knocking on the door and saying i want to be the opener for england so in that case at least they've both had four innings out in the aussie heat and aggression hopefully they can build on that what is the point of throwing some other rando in there and just hoping they do better (laughs) when chances are they'll do just as bad i think it's a sad very very british very english acceptance of, the, <laughs> of this of this situation right now and that i, I think we'll just have to uh, we'll just go with it. but that, that i think matt Pryor and, and cook were saying this on on the bt sport coverage this morning is that the thing that they've got going for them at the minute all of the batters in this lineup is that they've now they've now had four innings and that gives them a little step ahead of crawley or lawrence or bairstow and what all they've had is one intra-squad game and no white no red ball cricket since like july so that's where we're at and I, that's why i'd almost i'd almost stick this six out maybe not pope we can chat about him but just stick just let this six go for the next three test matches and and something might happen the, the problem is and i totally see the logic of this position right but listeners for the benefit of you not being able to see the video glenn in delivering that answer literally threw his hands up in the air <laughs> <laughs> and and I and I and I totally understand the logic of the position, and also I agree there is probably no other answer that seems better than that. On the other hand, from a perspective of of someone like Crawley who's sitting on the sides, we have just engineered an argument that logically basically says you can never replace somebody in an eleven because at least they've played and therefore they might do better. And from Zach Crawley's perspective, you must be thinking, well, what? Then I can literally do nothing to get a game. That, <laughs> in which case, what's the point? I, I don't think that's quite the argument actually here, Will, in this in this certain context. I mean, if if Crawley was coming into this team in and hadn't had a pretty pretty hopeless summer for England, if he wasn't quite literally dropped, I would say absolutely I'd say please be I I don't think that's quite what I meant. I don't mean in any way Hamid and Burns are not quite untouchable. I don't think anyone's suggesting that, but I don't think they're wow. quite I didn't think we were saying that this part. Hamid well, and Burns well, untouchable. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying they're beyond yeah. dropping. I'm just saying yeah, they've had a few innings to try and acclimatise themselves, and I don't think there is enough quality in the wings waiting to dislodge them and go on and do better. I would love to see them both dropped. Give us two proper openers who are test-level standard. These two aren't that. But who else is there? That, this is, that the horrible, is painful. This is the horrible place Engl- the English cricket mindset is between fans, and I'm guessing that's in, in the in the the head coaches and, and Joe Root's mind as well, is that, you know, we're all they're all a bit rubbish at the minute. There's no, like, can't we just see... Crawley going to nick off like Burns nicks off it just we're just a bit down in the dumps at the minute and just give these guys a go I guess however Will to your point on Crawley I think is barring Bearstow again we'll chat about Bearstow and Pope in a minute the next one knocking on the door tapping gently inquiring is that we sort of he passes the eye test for good batting in Australia like tall guy go off the back foot um he was part I think of our great ashes plan potentially him Sibley and Archer were part of our this great plan that's going so well so maybe he does deserve a go and there are rumors from what i've been reading and, and hearing people speak about that he's having a good net he looks good in the nets at the minute so that's fun so yes I, I agree that it feels harsh on these players waiting in the wings but i just say these guys are blooded now and just let them see what they can do 
Yeah, and I'm, I'm by no means trying to make a full-throated argument for Zach Crawley. I don't mean to accidentally engineer a TalkSport-style debate with Glenn on this, because um, I, I basically agree with everything you're saying. <laughs> um, but I just think generally, you know, if you're, if you're in a squad, that, that should mean that mm. people think you deserve to play. Um, and if you're not good enough to get a game when you're seeing this kind of performance from the people above you, yeah, it's a very bad situation for the whole thing, and also it doesn't it doesn't engineer a particularly good squad morale if you if your people who are sitting on the bench just don't think they're going to get given a game. Um, that being said, I completely agree. I don't think he'll fare that much better, and maybe four innings in does help out getting used to the conditions. Um, just going back quickly to Joe Root because it is it, as you said, it's really really noticeable that everything falls apart without him. Mm. Um, the the killer stat on this that's been going around this week, which I love, is. England this whole calendar year have made 11 century partnerships in test nine of them involve Joe Root and somehow three of them so three out of 11 so what nearly a third are Joe Root and David Milan who's wow. played about four tests you got who got suddenly brought in in that India series out of nowhere it's a crazy stat it really is and I think on that on crazy stats uh, I think we beat the duck record for a test team uh, collectively I think 49 as a team and we've beaten the opening partnership one easily. We beat that. We are now have 13 ducks in the opening pair to nine, which I think was also England in, in an Atherton era. So some some cracking stats going around. And there, there is a lot of the columnists today are saying is this is the worst England test team to have gone to Australia for 30, 40 years, potentially. Now, I can't speak of that. None of us can. We're all young ducklings um, enjoying. And we've mostly been able to enjoy test cricket, actually, since we've been England fans. Uh, but a lot of the sort of older boys are saying this is some of the worst cricket they've seen down under for a long, long time. A long, long time. And these stats are backing that up. I think, again, you know, without, without bringing it, wheeling out a pretty belabored cliche, but doing the basics right, that's something pretty much everyone in the media has been saying the last couple of days. And it's true, like, you know, the, the little simple things like the catching, right? Dropping seven catches in this test, that's a total of 12 this series. And Australia, by contrast, have dropped five. I don't think they dropped many, if any, at all. Actually, in that first one, a couple went down in this one for them. Just doing the real simple things, like there's some overthrows as well. Um, just just stuff that makes you think. Because I do think, although we have been outplayed in in pretty in, in every department, don't get me wrong, it absolutely should be 2-0. There have been moments where we've thought, wow, if if maybe five and six can put together, whittle together something resembling a 50, 60, 70 partnership, we're back in this game. Mm. And there's been moments of hope. And again, yesterday was really stretching it too far. The second, um, the second and um, Root got out. But had there just been even two more batsmen, if one of the openers and Root had been able to soak up maybe an hour or two of cricket in maybe in the fourth day towards the end of that, you know, it got to a point where because Butler did, you know, dig his heels and was gritty um, because Wokes, who I think, and this will tie into our later discussion, I don't think he should be dropped because of the quality of Wokes' batting. I think that his 40, bowling's been... That 44 today has made his dropping very difficult to make, I think, and for he, a lot of people. He is the he's the only batsman, uh, one of the only ones, if, if any, to actually make above 20 in every innings he batted this, um, this uh, series. So I think he should be in there for his batting. I think he looks more composed. He, again, I watched quite a lot of the game um, last night, pretty much just before until they both got out, actually, um, Butler and Wokes. But um, yeah, he did have, there was a couple of dodgy shots in there, but he, he he hits a ball sweetly and I think he can he can play off the pitch quite nicely. I think he looks quite comfortable and it looks like they all look dead inside, but at least he can smile when he wallops a couple of balls. <laughs> <laughs> oh brilliant well that was going to be something we talk about in the sort of general mood around the England camp what one one thing's on your point Glenn of like moments that we could have brought ourselves back into this was the morning of the fourth day where we were bowling again and Australia were just trying to set a score we knew that ultimately they could have 
made us follow on and we wouldn't have got to the, we would have got 20 over the total or whatever but when we had Labuschagne and Smith at the crease neither of whom have faced the ball and Smith nicks off and, and Butler drops it I understand that Smith only got six but imagine you get Smith for a golden and Labuschagne's the other end he's not bad and all of a sudden Travis heads in whoever it is that could have been a real moment and we could have been chasing less and I know we wouldn't have got there but these things uh, Warner 30 for two in the first game it was a no ball Butler's Dolly drop, which just is the worst drop I've ever seen. Worse than Denley's in New Zealand by a long way for me. Um, these moments, and I'm not saying we'd have won these, and I think we'd agree with we wouldn't have, but it just sends a vibe around fans, around the team, around people watching, that we're just not up for it. We're not at the races yet. Yeah, well, if you if you can't yeah take your catches, if you can't ball, legal deliveries, time and time. How many times even, you know, night before yesterday, I was just watching... Everyone running on bowl no balls. I think Robinson may have been a pretty egregious defender, but I think they were they were spread across um, they were spread across the team as well. Like, it's just frustrating because how on earth can you win a, a test match against you know not even a full Australian team, but what is still as we're going to talk about in a minute a really dangerous team. I think a lot of the people that came in for them acquitted themselves exceptionally well. I think Australia selectors have problems for different reasons because everyone's actually you know chomping at the bit to get a game for them, which is great to see. And you they're, see that hunger. It's they're so desperate. Different. They're desperate to find an issue at the minute. Obviously, Harris isn't yeah. having a great tournament, uh, a great series, but like he's also doing all right. They're just trying to find something to talk about. I feel bad for the three, the three twenty-somethings in Australia making a podcast. What have they got to talk about? They're just like, yeah, we're class. See you next week, boys. Do you know what I mean? At least we've got content. Um, speaking of content, should we look ahead to uh, the Boxing Day test in Melbourne? Um, and what team we'd like to see, or we. Th- what team should England play? And I think we're all in agreement at 2-0 down, this has to be the best 11 currently available of English men who happen to be in Australia, right? A lot of them are in that squad. Some might be elsewhere. We don't know. <laughs> Some are playing in the Big Bash as well. We can chat about that. So, and we haven't spoke about Ollie Pope yet because he's been so bad. I don't think he warrants a chat. I can't think of anything he's done other than look a bit frightened and worried and then nick off or just look like a... He's a cat on a hot tin roof and he looked like it in India and he's just reckless and he has to go this test match. They have to get the bowling selection right this time. I don't care what you're looking at in the fourth and fifth test. I don't care what might be happening. Who's in the red? Who's in whatever? Play the best 11 and let's try and win a test match. Okay, Chris, Joe, let's let's do this, boys. So has anyone got anything that burning they want to say about this selection that, that has to happen? it's a tricky one i've had you know for the most part of this of our, of our conversation i've had you know the, the the squad up and i've been you know trying my best to put together something i'm vaguely excited about it is it is a struggle i think we're all i think all three of us in agreement you kind of will's eyes flickered when you mentioned pope going out but i think if all three of us are in agreement of him hitting the wayside because he just hasn't been good enough and the, you know that that is what it is it's not, i'm not not a personal yeah, attack it is. and i still think he'll be great at some point but he's a yeah, bit round cashy now isn't he he's a bit load him up at the oval and then come into test cricket and look terrible so at some point maybe but for now let's stop and the thing is and i think I don't know if you're going to say Bairstow is going to come in for him because it'll bring a bit of confusion with the gloves. But the decision at the start of the first test was Pope or Bairstow and they just pit Pope to it. So surely you could just do that as a straight swap. Yeah, so that's a really good point. So what I've got, I've also, I don't think we should be playing Wokes, Robinson, Broad, Anderson together. I don't think there's enough variety. No, no, no. Um, So one of those has to go. And I looked at this... uh, looked at the scorecard a minute ago it's a bit of a toss-up but for me broad is the one that should potentially uh take a take a bow oh yeah 
that's that's the one I'm saying potentially. So I'm thinking at the minute, Wood in for Broad, and then you're getting rid of Pope, and I've got Bearstow question mark. I have also got Leach question mark. Uh, but but just, just give me 10 seconds on that because it's not much of a pitch it's more of just 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 my train of thought because I yeah. would love some more variation in the attack but Correct. my problem if you bring Wood in for Broad and you bring Leach in for Pope as much as I'm enjoying Wokes and I think he should very be much be there that tail potentially of Leach Robinson Wood Anderson doesn't yeah. seem sustainable with and the Robinson's, middle order being so brittle yeah yeah spot on and Robinson's forgot to pick up a bat so he's a tail uh, ender now he's a pure, pure tail ender now so Wokes, that would have your team with, with Wokes at seven, which is very interesting. And I like that. I, I agree with the pitch of variation of attack. And if you had, if you bring Wood and Leach, you take out two right arm medium fast and bring in a left arm spinner and an out and out paceman. So that's good. I agree with that. I, I've, I've been the same as you, but I've not, I've not picked Jack Leach. I don't think, I think the same thing will happen again. And we're stuck. And I think Joe Root is absolutely fine. And I think he needs to buy himself more and just try and, however he can out of his bowling, just gain some control and do what Lyon does. As I'm, not, I'm not trying to compare him to a man who's taken 400 test wickets, but just try and hold an end. If he can do the holding an end job and bowl himself a bit more, what that allows us to do is, in my team, is have an attack of Wokes, Robinson, Anderson, Wood, as your four pacemen with Stokes, and then Bairstow in at seven. Um, and I, I, I batted this drum at the start, in the preview pod with Zach, is that I think Bairstow should have the gloves i said to drop butler but we'll, we'll have them both because butler's innings today was very impressive and i think he's got a bit of bottle about him so yeah so i've got butler at six as just a batter and then i've got Bairstow at seven with the gloves which is what matt Pryor did um his team on bt he suggested this and although i think it'll bring a bit of confusion about and it's not great for the squad probably to nick the gloves off butler suddenly i think you can t- i think you can go to him and say listen mate just I think you don't need the gloves just now. There's there's a reason for it, and it's always drop catches. And you bring Bairstow in at seven. You got Wokes at eight, so the tail then doesn't become too long. So again, there's a lot of right arm pace, but you bring Wood in for the genuine pace, and then we shore that batting up a little bit. That that's my pitch. Can I respond real quick? Because I'm really interested to see what, what Will's team is looking like as well. I think I like that. And to be fair, Dan, it, it pretty much, I think, if you take away the leech question mark, that is my team at the minute. So I'm glad. Yeah, it's just whether there. you play that spinner again or not. It's whether we trust it again. And, and, and for me, there's two issues with this. There's the first issue. I, none of us really particularly trust leech and just say for the sake of discussion or best. And neither of them are particularly good with the bat. I mean, you know, Bess be, you know, is probably uh, actually best, better with Bess, the bat. Best, I think, than... could be a number eight. I think Bess could be a number eight. Yeah, precisely. Best, actually, if he could bowl a bit better, he would solve, actually be a Solve really, a lot of problems, wouldn't he? He would be a really nice addition to this team. But the fact is, I do not trust him. I don't there's the. I don't see why the Aussies wouldn't treat him with the same disdain they treated Leach with. But my only concern is the rhetoric around bowl Root more. Root needs to bowl more overs. In, a, in, a, in theory, absolutely, yes. I think he's a really solid bowler. I really, really worry about this man as i think i said on the previous pod dan when we were having a chat he's already the captain he's already the yeah. only person beyond milan who can actually score runs and wants to spend hours in the crease batting he's already bowling a stack he's just gonna ever it's gonna bring they'll reach a point right where it will bring down every other quality of his game it will bring down his bowling batting and captaincy if you if you as in us uh, you know selectors whatever fans force 25 30 overs on him i don't think that's sustainable and that's almost Root being a victim of his own success because I think his bowling is really tidy and I really like it. But I really worry about saying to Root, a man who's got who has got too much responsibility already, in my opinion, hey, you're now our frontline spinner and we expect yeah. you to play the role of a frontline spinner. 
it, that's a very fair point. And I think you, maybe you just say 10 overs and innings out of him. And then maybe one of the Anderson can do the holding in, which he can. He didn't go for much because he's such a skillful Precisely. bowler. So we've got to find a way. And best would plug this line, would plug that cap nicely if you had number eight. Because Leach is the issue with you, you get a number 11 then. Which is interestingly why, why Alistair Cook, uh, his England 11 for the next test, included Ollie Pope still. So we had the, te- the same top seven, bizarrely. Uh, brought in Besser eight. And uh, he's got a four for against the Lions four for a ton against the Lions and the, uh, with the Lions and then got one maybe in the second innings. And then he went Wood, Broad and Anderson. So he's dropped Wokes and Robinson, who, who neither of whom I, I I really believe deserve a dropping. Wokes deserves dropping for his bowling. His bowling's not been good enough, but the batting has been like 60 runs in this test. That's huge. huge. So a little bit strange for Malice to cook there. Um, obviously, he said on, on, on the punditry today, he, that's the best 11 put that out and try and go try and win a test match i don't i don't think it is really um will listening to us chat there what, what do you think are you on the play the spinner train i think we're all in agreement that wood comes in we're all in agreement that the pope gets dropped probably for best though you, you could be crawling in if you wanted to what do you think elsewhere could happen or, or should happen so i'm in agreement on those two except that i think I think swapping Pope for Bear is just equally depressing. I know I'm <laughs> I know I'm contradicting my argument of about 20 minutes ago. No, I see what you're but, saying. But I but but nonetheless, I think it has to happen because there's no one else. Um, I would absolutely love 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 to play the spinner, and I sort of I keep looking at my team and fiddling with it because I just don't. I don't think you can not play him, but I also don't think you can play him because of what happened in the first test. It's an impossible dilemma. Um, so I've not yes. I've not got him in my eleven. Um. But I'm changing the opening because I just think it's I think yep. it's too depressing and you can't yep. I think you can't realistically go into a must-win test believing that those openers are going to get more than 40 runs on the board for you. Um, and so I've I've just brought Hamid out and put Crawley back in. Partly I have to say because I think there's two problems with with changing an opening pair. Right, either you play them for the whole series and they're both consistently as bad as they have been, in which case we might never see them in an English show again. Mm. Or you take them out and then that might knock their confidence and look like a drop and the same thing happens. So it's kind of a lose lose. There is this, but there's so much dropping in the England side. I don't, I don't think that's a thing. Um, it, I'm exactly. interested to know though why you've gone for Hamid over Burns from from the drop. And I know Burns at the 34, and I think Hamid's highest score is maybe 20. Well, what's your decision going Hamid over over Burns? I I do still trust Burns fractionally more. I think he has yeah. a good innings in him. Whereas Hamid, even when he looks he's going okay like sometimes he faces a decent number of balls mm. he still doesn't look very convincing to me and i don't think he's ever 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 got a 60 plus in him in yeah. australia it's such an interesting point because i think burns gets out ugly and bats ugly therefore we think he's the first to go whereas hamid bats very traditionally you know side on and, and plays it nicely under his eyes but then gets out in similarly silly ways in his, in his quicker time sometimes and also just before glenn jumps in on that i there's slight politics to this decision i think in that I unless there really seriously is nobody else to replace them in the next six months I think this is Burns done whereas I'm quite protective of Hamid <laughs> I want him to have Correct. a future and so I'm happy to pull him out the firing line for a little bit yeah and it, and it would be for someone of his age still in his career we'll be pulling him out and saying listen mate we'll, we'll come back in, in the summer whereas Burns it's like right mate we've had enough for you now I, I see where you're getting at so that's a fair point I think what's quite ironic is I would if you gave me the option of Sibley coming into this team I would take it and I would open with him. I said, right. I said this at the start of the series. Oh. I said this on the spaces. It would make absolutely no sense that they dropped him when they did. It didn't. I would take him. It I didn't, would. but I just also can't believe we're having this chat now. I can't believe it. I'm just saying it. 
I hate it, but it's true. And, and Sibley was another prong of the, the four-year plan, wasn't he? Get Absolutely. people who can bat long. And if you if you offered me now, I think I agree with you, unfortunately, 18 off 100 balls from Sibley or whatever the hell he normally does. Oh, that'd be a dream. Is Joe Denley available? <laughs> Anyone got Denley's mobile number? Gosh, it is a, it's it's damning, isn't it, this conversation on the state of the England team? Okay, so we've got a change at the top from Will. Um, me and Glenn have, have gave him another test match. We've got Bairstow probably coming into that middle order. The other option would be Lawrence, but again, I think you go with a bit of seniority with, with, with Bairstow. Whether you give him the gloves or not, I think it's a, a point I can't be able to talk about. Like, who cares? Someone will drop someone at some point. Um, and then at the end of the day, though, we've still got five right-arm seamers. Obviously, Wood's a bit quicker. Now, there is a little bit of chat about Saqib Mahmood, who is, luckily for us, still in Australia. They flew all the Lions home, and apart from the lads who are playing in the Big Bash, so Mahmood, Tom Curran, James Vince, these these great test cricketing names, we could recall one of them. And I think he plays the Sydney Thunder, and they have recently signed another pace bowler. So there's a bit of rumour around the press box in Australia, apparently, that Mahmood could be recalled. Now, I don't think that's the right thing to do. Yes, he got four wickets in a T20. That's not a test match. Um, and I don't think it'd be right to record him for this third test. But I think we could see him in the series at some point now. We're, we're at that we're at that stage where if you had Wood and Mahmood, then Robinson and Anderson, for example, two sort of seam up bowlers. Then there's a then the, that's a bit of variation there, right? That's a bit more interesting. I like it on paper. I like on it on paper, paper a lot. Stunning on paper, isn't it? And, and also, I think it comes back to your weird, extremely random best chat. In the the problem with this team isn't even so much that the tail gets really long because of moving Wokes up because I think Wokes at the moment Wokes is the third best batter in the England eleven like he could happily bat seven not an issue the problem is yeah. nobody else can bat at eight so <laughs> there's no eight we need an eight we're crying out for an eight <laughs> yeah we, we yeah we go from quite a, quite an in in Nick and good looking Wokes dropping down to your classic just like picking the bat up with the wrong side you know that's, yeah, that's what is, that's what the bottom it? four have offered. And it, it is good on paper, isn't it? But listen, Mamou's not played a test match yet. I think you'd have to get him into the squad for for a few days first. You can't just bring him in for Boxing Day. So maybe we'll see him in the fourth. I'd be very, very surprised if you see him for this. What I would be less surprised with is if Bess is picked. Maybe the England, maybe Silver was having this conversation now and he's gone right. He's got a few wickets to the Lions. He can bat. He there's a lot of left-handers in that Australian top order: Warner, Harris, Carey at seven i think it's four in the top seven right arm off spin takes all away from them maybe they'll squeeze him in i'll be very surprised though very surprised one final thing that's a really good point it is that is that kind of a collection i guess of left-hand batters um for oz is that another very very subtle case against leach does that impact yeah. your thought in any way 100 percent. and that's why they could that's why they could take the game to him when they did because you had warner in there who's a great player of spin who's left-handed who had saw very little threat from him on a placid pitch which allowed the right-handers to get out i was excited to see leach against against the aussie right-handers because he was great in india against like pujara and he had rahane on toast as well precisely obviously different conditions but he's, he's good against right-handed batters but they took him to the to the cleaners and that was the end of that i really don't think we can see leach again because what what if like let's just picture it leach is picked with the first test we're bowling first and it is just before lunch on Boxing Day, and they're 60 for one, and off off it goes again. And he goes for 40 off his first four. We're back where we were in the first test. So I just I just mentally I don't I just don't think you can pick him again. And I don't want to. I like Jack Leach and he's been so mistreated, but this is a problem. This is a, a symptom of that. I hear that, but I also kind of feel like 
you can't let a team hit someone out of a series in the first test and just be okay with that. But that's where I, I maybe I I'm thinking too negatively, and I think hopefully the England team are. That is a good point. And and Pant tried to hit him out of the series and and, and didn't. Um, he kept playing Leach and he kept bowling really well. He averaged about 25 over there, I think. But yeah, I'm think I'm doing I'm doing too many what ifs, aren't I? Because what if he takes a wicket in his first spell and we, when we're back on, we got a spinner again. Do you know, what? it is. It's all it is. If Leach takes a wicket in his first spell, we now have a spinner again. Goes for 40. We've not got one again. Yeah, it's all about your mindset, Dan. It's not about material reality. It's the reason I'm not uh, a <laughs> team, mate. Just, just one final thing on that. I love Will's point. I think, yeah, absolutely. Do not let the Aussies dictate who, who, and who isn't in your team. What would happen if we do play Leach? He will be smacked out of the attack in about ten, 10 overs. <laughs> I think we can probably wrap it up on, on Leach there. <laughs> um, one thing I want to chat about, and this has been talked about on commentary, whether it's Test Match Special or the Australian Fox commentary or ABC, which we were, we were, we were greeted, we were treated with this week, um, unfortunately, is the sort of mood around the England camp. And yes. You're 2-0 down. Yes, your family's not there. Yes, it's been horrible. And I, I feel for all of them, and I think they don't quite look right. I mean, Butler, who's normally very vocal behind the stumps, looks incredibly sad. I think you said something earlier, again that was very funny. Just they all look a bit, they all look very sad, don't they? It's a sad bunch of boys at the minute. And Butler's sad because he's dropping catches and he's not in Nick. But this England team that I, I liked, I liked the, the blokes in there. They seem like nice people. All look a little bit sad and they're not the personality doesn't feel there from the team and it's all a little bit negative in the minute and i understand why don't get me wrong but it feels really bad this time do you know what i mean like they all look very sad more restrictions in melbourne yes the families are coming out two nil down should this series even gone ahead obviously now two nil it should never have gone ahead very unsafe to be out there but this is a very sad team and i don't see like with root coming out quite angry today it, it, the vibe isn't right at all and i've there's been a better vibe in an England losing team before is what I'm trying to get out. And I wonder if, if you boys have noticed that as well. Yeah, I think it's been really noticeable, obviously around senior players, because the Butler thing, obviously after the drop catch and also some discussion that he didn't even want to go, particularly a few mm. months ago. The Stokes situation is probably not the best series to come into after taking time out. And and, and and sorry to interrupt, Will, but as, mu- as much as he looks undercooked physically and you'd expect that from a man who's played cricket in that long, uh, you just think, good for you for coming back, mate, and fair play if your head's in the right space, but he doesn't look physically or mentally still quite there. Like, and, no, he, and, I, and he really dug in in that innings today, but it just doesn't look quite right. He doesn't, and there were a couple, after that, you know, the really famous drop catch, there were a couple of you know, close-up camera shots where he just, it, I, I don't particularly want that human being subjected to this on a cricket pitch I think. exactly Get I them feel all out there. um and it's tough because part of the problem is you you want the mood to be inspired by your leader in the camp who supposedly is your captain but your captain's sad because he's gone through a year of being virtually the only batter in the side who's with any consistency so he can't really get anybody else you know more excited and more optimistic because he's looking at them and not feeling any confidence in their abilities. And once they're looking at their leader and thinking, he doesn't believe that I'm good enough, the whole thing's going to spiral. And it could get very, very horrible quite quickly with three test matches still to play. To give a really roundabout anecdote of way of answering that question, I saw, um, I think it was Atherton and, and Nasser, I think, did their teams. And they were, they were sort of, of course, doing the slightly boomer reminiscing about past victories. They said Michael Vaughan was the best England captain to go to Australia because he was fearless and he was optimistic and he just thought, let's go there and try and hit them rather than respond to them hitting us. And I was on, you can cut this. This is going to be a boring anecdote. I was browsing. I'm loving it, mate. Keep I going. Was, 
I was I was on YouTube the other day and the algorithm just in the background, so I couldn't be bothered to change it. The algorithm set, auto sent me to this video of some old American academic talking about army generals. And he said he said he had a theory that the reason that America keep losing wars these days is that is that nobody ever gets fired because what used to happen is because America had an official foreign policy that they didn't want to get stuck into any wars that meant that when they got dragged into a war they were always underprepared and therefore always quite sad and the most important thing that happens is you fire the sad generals and you hire someone that he said so so um general marshall now famous marshall plan he wrote a description of the perfect army general and apparently number one on his list the thing that you have to have is being optimistic and i feel like England, this whole England camp just needs somebody to go in there, be a bit fearless, a bit optimistic, and be like, I don't really care that we're in Australia. Let's just try and play some nice shots, which is yeah. what Chris Wokes does, the one's not dead inside and smiles. Yes. I was watch- when I was watching at 4 a.m. yesterday, I was watching for about an hour and a half, and nobody had played a shot. Butler played one shot, Stokes played one slog sweep. Wokes came in, played three gorgeous drives off his first five balls. Just a bit of that, I think, would be nice. I love, and we got there in the end. That's a great anecdote. That's well staying in. We got we got onto the Marshall Plan and Rainstop play. That is that's a good vibe if we're talking about uh, post World War Two foreign policy. Um, <laughs> but that is right, Will. There's no there doesn't feel any optimism there. Root feels sort of like he's cowering. It's like he is waiting to respond, and that just isn't the right way. I think it's a, a really really good point. You can tell Will's at home by himself with COVID because like he's <laughs> he's just like sketching out an article why England need a Marshall Plan. <laughs> So we need a marshal, is that what you're saying? I know you're not saying fire Joe Root and Chris Silver just yet, but you're saying we need just a little bit more optimism. And just like, just, I don't want to be real Ferdinand here, just enjoy it, lads. Just enjoy it. Like, go and play a bit of cricket down there. Show your personality a bit. And now we're 2-0 down and everything's felt pretty hopeless. Do you think they can go and do that in the third test, Boxing Day? And just go, yeah, you know what, lads, let's go and play a bit of cricket, eh? Oh, no, absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) And I think... And Zach said this in our group chat before we came on. We're just not that good at test cricket. And that's okay. That can be okay sometimes. And let's accept that a little bit because that is the case, I think, really. Australia are quite good. We're not that good. The one thing that I do think in this England camp is it sort of exists in a universe where Owen Morgan doesn't exist. And I understand, you know, he's not been in the test set for, for a long time. He's not going to be the suddenly going to be the captain. But can we not just like get him get him on a plane and go talk to the players and you know have a bit of that because he's, he's, he's marshall he's marshall and the spirit in the odi side is so completely different and you can tell that they all the bowlers all believe in him and they have a nice sort of cuddly atmosphere and he, they know how to make a right plan but if it doesn't go right here's how to adapt to that and it's just such the polar opposite of the test team i didn't think that we'd decide that owen morgan would be the the answer to england's test woes in this uh, 45 minutes ago when we started he's not recording and remember he's just marshall morgan <laughs> is marshall he's just a motivational speaker yeah. for this yes. really sad bunch of players <laughs> yes that's exactly what i'm saying they need something and it is a sad bunch of players so i think we've roughly done our teams there um a few differences in opinion there which is always good um we'll see what they go for and they've got it wrong every test match so i expect they'll get it wrong again somehow um maybe they'll have learned three times around let's do australia because they also played in this test match and they, they happen to win it um obviously pat cummins uh out with, not with covid but as a close contact meant that michael nisa played he got himself a couple of wickets he looked okay you know hamid gifted him that first wicket which wound me up because they were also happy for him i was like yeah okay great but like it wasn't a great delivery was it and i think he got two in the match so well done to him uh obviously labashane got runs what do we think about him congratulating himself on a leave are we are we on I like him because he's quirky or he really pisses me off because he's quirky? Who's on which side? 
I'm going to follow up Marshall Marshall chat by saying I think he offers that bit of personality and love yep. for the game that England are completely lacking. Bit and of quirky, yeah, just a bit, bit of, of quirky. Just loves yeah. the game. England look like they all hate cricket right at the minute, and I and I don't I get why they could hate cricket. Don't get me wrong, but can smile. And you could see this even with his bowling. Like yeah, he, he was thankfully knocked out of the attack um, by Wokes I think uh, last night when he did come on front of the spell and did look pretty awful. But yeah, even when he's bowling full toss and stuff, like he he obviously looked a little bit annoyed after he got hit around. But like he just offers like again an enth- like a fundamental enthusiasm for the game. Like he wants to bat, he wants to field, he wants to bowl, and he wants to leave the ball and he wants to enjoy leaving the ball. Like I, he's exactly what England are lacking. And yeah, as an opposition, uh, you know it, it's a bit it's a bit annoying. Uh, like Neil Malpay for Brighton if he's on your team you love him if not you hate him but at the same time i think yeah he is everything the the, the england don't seem to have right now so good power to him good for him yeah. he's getting runs he's he's enjoying himself yeah great agree strongly and we can add Labashain is Neil Morpé to list of things I didn't expect to hear 45 minutes ago. There's some cracking, there's some cracking comparisons and names being chucked around, as always happens this late into the Rainstop Pod episode. So if you do get this far, thank you, and tell your friends because it gets better and weirder the deeper you get into a pod. You got to, you got to commit to the hour, get deeper into it, and it gets a bit weird. It gets a real weird place. Um, shout out to Mitchell Stark as well, who obviously led this attack in the absence of Hazelwood and, and Cummins, and he was awesome. All Test match, uh, great line length, great pace. Loves the pink ball, averages sub-20 in, in pink ball test matches, and he was awesome. I think Steve Smith at the end said, particularly shout out to him, to lead this attack, this sort of not wounded attack, but it was a wounded attack, missing their two big seamers. Very good. Uh, Zach predicted a Jai Richardson Pfeiffer. He said 5 for 48. He ended up with 5 for 42. So unlucky, Zach. Not quite there, but good try, nonetheless. Uh, when, when it was announced that Hazelwood was, was injured. So he was pretty good. And this is classic Australia, isn't it? The, the next one off the rank is always very good. And their only issue is is open, in the opening batter in Harris. Uh, Steve Smith backed him in the post-match conference saying, listen, he's doing fine. He had a couple of good deliveries. It will all come good. And I, I, I expect they won't drop him. I think they'll, why, why bother the integrity of this top seven? Uh, and they'll go the same again and probably bring back Cummins and Hazelwood if they're both fit. That's pretty much it, to be honest. I mean, we don't need to spend much time on it at all. I guess just uh, my question to you both: who, who for you kind of drops out? Let's uh, for for Cummins and Hazel because probably for me uh, would probably be Nisa. Makes sense. I would keep Richardson because I think his tail's up. And I think he bowled beautifully in that second innings. Um, maybe give Stark a rest. Maybe he yeah. looks tired. That's a fair point, actually. There could be time for a rest. I think if you go for best eleven, you just drop the two less senior guys yeah. out. But yeah. I think I, I hadn't thought about that. Glenn. I, I like that. Maybe they will rest somebody. I think the talk at the moment is that um, Cummins is going to come back for the next test and Hazelwood the one after. Oh. So, so they might rotate Stark and keep Nisa and then flip Nisa out for the fourth and sort of yeah. rest and rotate that way. They've got they're not playing 4D chess. They're just going right. We've got five oh. good bowlers here. Let's just Who's bring fit? the ones in. Who's, who, fan, <laughs> who fancies it? Who's ready? Do you know what I mean? That's just a normal way of playing and organising a test team. They're just so functional. It's really annoying. They are and really yeah, good at cricket. Spot on. Spot good at cricket. <laughs> functional sort of board. And this is after they cheated not many years ago. So like <laughs> it took us it took like us we, 50 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? It gets fun at the end of a podcast. It gets really really fun. Functional cheating. <laughs> we haven't cheated. We haven't cheated as, as a nation that I'm aware of and we're still dysfunctional they cheated had massive upheaval and they're back again do you know what I mean that's a functional cricketing nation so well done and like I said I feel bad for the content creators in Australia because what the hell do you even talk about for an hour not not a hell of a lot unless you want to do what we did with the England team um so that's about it for that review that was really enjoyable I think cathartic we all need that when England do bad hope you enjoyed listening predictions for the third 
test boys is, is there any point in me asking that straight draw. Give me a draw. We need to we start doing a rain dance because I'd take a draw now. It should probably be three in Australia next time we speak to you. We also won't speak to you until after Christmas. So for those who celebrate, Merry Christmas. Uh, we'll speak to you before the new year. Boys, that's been fun. Will, get better soon, mate. Um, try not to get too deep into this England misery hole because you don't need to be in it if you don't want to. Do you know what I mean? You, you can opt out. No, I can instead get into get stuck into the, the falling apart of Indian cricket bureaucracy. Ooh, what's is something coming up, or are you just well, expecting catastrophic to happen? Now they stripped Kohli of captaincy in the ODI team without telling him, and now they've, <gasps> they've had sort of beefy press conferences where they take barbs at each other. Well, I miss that. That's a bit of fun. You get stuck into that, and let's hope the YouTube algorithm serves you up something as brilliant as Marshall Plan for, for next week, because <laughs> I certainly look forward to that. Uh, Glenn, we're in this together, mate, and the times will be they'll be better for you next time. So it won't be the, it won't be the deep morning; it'll be sort of early evening for you. So enjoy the cricket. Have a great have a great Christmas and Boxing Day. Thank you. I'll be back in Wyoming, so I'll be on Mountain Time. So a nice 4.30 p.m. start, oh. seeing you right through to 11. You can't really argue with that, can you? It's quite nice. Enjoy it, pal. Drink it in. Drink it in. Um, <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening, especially those, like I said, who got to the end of that, because it's it's always good fun. Um, hopefully, we've had two Twitter spaces now. We hope to do a few more. They've been really fun. Great success. Those who have joined us, thank you very much. Um, so do follow us at rains.pod on Twitter to get a notification for that. And just join in as well. We let most people speak. So if you fancy getting your word in amongst us, do join us on Twitter. Uh, for now, enjoy the third test. Enjoy Christmas. Uh, and we'll see you next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.